our lesson writer leaped from the eighth chapter of Revelation to the 19th. And in taking that leap, he left out all the gory details, which is the reason I don't like the book of Revelation. So I came out on the positive end of this. However, to keep the continuity going, let me just briefly state what he did omit. Because all of the lessons that he has written has to do with celebrations in heaven. And that's good. That's what we're interested in. This is where we all plan to be. But in the course of that, there is that downside that which usually attracts people to the book of Revelation. As we concluded last week, the, uh, the uh, writer of the book started in about the seven angels with the seven trumpets. As each trumpet sounded, there was unleashed against humanity in the earth one of the plagues. And so one after the other, the angels sounded the trumpets. And with the sounding of each, there was a plague that came upon the earth. And then after the plagues were finished with the angels, with the trumpets, then there appeared a woman seated upon an animal. She was dressed in red and purple. She was covered with jewels. And the animal on which she sat was a crimson animal that had seven heads and ten horns. John himself told us what these represented. The woman was the harlot, was Rome. The animal on which she rode represented the Roman Empire. Each of the ten heads of the beast on which she rode had to do with the ten kings of the Roman Empire under whom the Christians would be persecuted. History has carried out the fact of the ten kings because it was from the time of Nero until the time of Diocletian, the tenth emperor, that the Christians were under the heel of Rome and persecuted by each of the kings. Diocletian was the tenth emperor, and following him was Constantine, who lifted the ban on Christianity and declared it to be the official religion, religion of the Roman Empire. So after the reign of the tenth king, then Christians were not persecuted again by the empire itself. So in that sense, John was correct in saying that the ten horns on the beast represented the ten kings under whom they would be persecuted. And the persecutions under the Romans was unbelievable. We talk about the persecution, but we think in terms of just being disallowed an opportunity to participate in society because they didn't worship the emperor, but they were punished. They were severely punished. There was no feelings against the Christians prior to 64 AD by the Roman emperors. 
It was Nero in 64 who created the problem by historians. It was he who created the problem. Whether it was he or happenstance, the city caught fire. A building next to the Circus Maximus ignited, and the city was so packed with over a million people, the fire spread, and there were only two sections of the city that was spared the burning of the city. Nero was out of the city himself at the time. He was delighted over the fire because this would give him an opportunity to rebuild the city in the way that he wanted it to be. He was so delighted, in fact, that the people began to say, he's the cause of it. He burned the city. And in order to deflect the attention from himself, and in probability he was the cause, in order to deflect the attention away from himself, he said, it's those Christians that did it. He had to find a scapegoat. Who would he find? There were only two groups in Rome that were not just the normal populace. One were the Jews, the other the Christians. And the Christians and the Jews couldn't get along. They were infighting, the Jews particularly, resenting the Christians. And so he fell upon the idea. This is an upstart. They are a group that don't reach back in history like the Jews do. They have no rootage. So we let them be the ones who will take responsibility for the burning of the city. And so in order to bring the attention upon the Christians, he had to do something spectacular to identify them apart from the rest of the populace. So he began rounding up the Christians and persecuting them. Decletion was the king under whom the most and the most widespread acts were taken against the Christians. But in terms of severity, in terms of publicly exhibiting the punishment, Nero stood alone. One of his favorite ways in to punish the Christians was to throw them into the arena and watched them be mauled by wild beasts while all of the Romans in the Colosseum cheered. Those who were not mauled in the Colosseum were torched to death. And one of his favorite pastimes was when he gave a party in the evening, he would take the Christians and lash them to a post, saturate them, and then set fire to them and let them become the torches by which the grounds would be illuminated. A terrible, terrible thing, punishment against the Christians. Domitian carried on the persecution of the Christians. He added one facet to it that Nero had not put against the Christians, and that is they had to worship him as the God. Domitian proclaimed himself as a God, and they had to worship him. At the time that John wrote the book, then most of the charges brought against the Christians was the fact that they would not worship him as Lord and King. And so it was simply giving an opportunity for the Christians to renounce their faith and they would be free. If they stood up for their faith and refused to renounce it, then they would be killed persecuted and killed in one way or another.
John himself escaped death by being exiled on the Isle of Patmos during the reign of Domitian. And at the end of the rule of Domitian, he was freed and he returned then back to Ephesus. But the persecution of the Christians continued on for the next eight kings down to the time of Constantine himself. There were a number of the martyrs told in the book of the Fox's Book of Martyrs, which is a classic, having to do with the actual instances, not stories that had been repeated, but these were actually written down by our church fathers of the events that took place. One was of a young man just coming into his 20s. He refused to worship the emperor. He was beaten. He was scourged. Finally, he was put into the skin of a bull. It was sewed together, but until before they sewed it together, they put in a dog and a poisonous snake, continued to sew it, and then threw him in the ocean. Uh, another was a man who was in his 90s at the end of his life, and he, unwilling to recant his faith, they took him out and they beat him until he was senseless and then they ran a spear through him and that was the treatment he received. Another man in middle age was beaten until the bones were exposed. His eyes were burned out with hot pokers and then still living, they decapitated him. This was the kind of punishment that is recorded in Fox's Book of Martyrs that these Christians during this time suffered from. The most famous of which, and every student in seminary will study the death of Polycarp. Polycarp was a student of John himself. We know a lot about John in the writings of Polycarp. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. He was reaching his latter years of life when he was arrested because he would not recant. He was taken before the courts and given an opportunity at your age, just recant. You're free to go back. You won't be punished any further. He refused to recant. So they took him to the arena where he had been committed to the lions to fight him in the arena. They gave him one last chance and said, if you will recant, say Caesar is Lord, you're free to go. And the famous words of Polycarp were, for 87 years, my Savior has not denied me, and I will not deny him now. Ready to throw him to the lines, they discovered that the animals had been caged, so they tied him to a stake, set fire to the faggots at the bottom of the stake. The flames swept up but did not encompass his body. And for fear that he would survive the burning, one of the soldiers went up and with the sword pierced his body and he died at the stake. So this was the kind of things that John was writing about when he said for the 10 horns representing the 10 kings, there would be a time of persecution. And the words that he had written in the book was to give them comfort 
he would give them a glimpse into heaven. These are the martyrs surrounding the throne. These are the martyrs having come into their kingdom. And so that's where we are today, having come through this brief period of persecution. The announcement comes to John, behold, the 24 elders, the four creatures were kneeling down before the throne, great in their celebration, crying out their hallelujahs to the throne because the harlot upon the beast had been destroyed. The persecution that had been defined was over. And now the time for the bridegroom and the bride to come together in the final analysis the reward of all who have remained faithful. And so John witnesses the great multitudes, not only the martyrs, the martyrs were singled out in their white robes, but then there were the multitudes who were not martyred, who had persisted, persevered, and then they were experiencing their reward around the throne. Then an angel said, look, and here came a beautiful white horse with a person sitting upon the horse, had on a white robe that was stained with blood. He had eyes that were fiery with intensity. A sword came from his mouth, power and truth. This was the same image that John shared with us at the beginning when he first had a vision and saw Jesus at the side of his Father in heaven. It was the victorious Jesus coming forth to claim his bride. His bride was the church. We're told that in the Gospels, the, the way in which Jesus and the church have been described as bride and bridegroom. And so the bride is ready for the ceremony to take place. Being faithful to the bridegroom now the great wedding would take place. The invitation went on all who were included to come to the great banquet, which would celebrate the wedding between the church and Christ. Now, the, those who represented the martyrs, the church, were clothed in white, they represented the white, representing the good deeds that had been done by those who now had accepted the gift of eternal life in heaven. John's way of saying that even though all of the things have been done to prepare you for heaven, that Christ with his stained robe representing his death upon the cross, the overcoming of all the evil forces, that now the good works that the people had done comprised the garment which they wore. Our lesson writer reminded us of one who was thrown out of the wedding feast because he did not have on the proper garment. And his implication was that he did not have the good deeds that should have been done, even though he had accepted the forgiveness of Christ. Good deeds are a part of the rewards when the kingdom comes and all who are received into the presence. Now, in the book for the leader, not the book you read, but in the leader's manual, 
the writer wanted to impress upon the reader the fact that this was contemporary and was not to be read as a prediction of times to come. Most of those who study the book are intent upon breaking the riddle, learning the puzzle, of the events that are come with all of the plagues and the beasts and so forth. And he pointed out that the Christ had just vanquished Satan at this stage of history when in reality Christ had vanquished Satan on the cross. So Satan was no longer one to be dealt with by the forces of good and evil. Still active in trying to claim us as his followers, but not with the power that was his before the death on the cross. Jesus' death broke the power of sin. Jesus' death broke the back of Satan. And so the age of grace came in because Satan no longer held sway. This are the words of the writer of the leader's manual. The next point that he makes is the fact that we tend to use all of these predictions, reading them into the contemporary scene or anticipating their coming, to say this is a revelation of the end. He points out that Jesus himself said when the disciples asked him, when will the end come? And Jesus answered, I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know. The angels in heaven don't know. Only God himself knows. So the words of our lesson writer says, how can we pretend to have the revelation made to us when Jesus and the angels themselves did not know when the end time would come? And then he goes further with three or four other reasons by which he would declare that one, trying to read the future in the book of Revelation are reading into the book what John never meant for it to be. So on this occasion, all of the evil that was to be leased against the world has been leased. Those who have persevered are around the throne singing the praises of God and those yet persevering during the kings to come would be equally represented around the throne and they would receive the blessings when the bridegroom and the bride are brought together. Any comments or questions on today's lesson? All these people are predicting when the earth will come. You know, they've been for I don't know how many eons. And they've been predicting, oh, it's going to end in such and such a year and all that. You can turn on your television and listen to televangelists and you'll get, the, you'll get the story. I saw a biography of Hitler on the History Channel last week and I said, they're right. He is the Antichrist. Who could be so cruel? Of course, I lived through World War II and I know that everybody was saying he was the Antichrist, that the end was near. Many others have been identified as well. Yes. Written during the time of Domitian, who was the second of the kings to persecute. Take more to come. Oh, okay. mm -hmm.
up until 312 when Constantine declared that Christianity was the official religion of the Roman Empire. Up until, and Diocletian was the last of the ten, and he was the cruelest of them all. Vince, do you recall where in the New Testament Christ said that uh, he didn't know and the angels in heaven didn't know? Where would I find that? Oh, I'm not good at that. I got a concordance at home. <laughs> I, I don't put more in my mind than I can handle. Well, you may not like the book, but everything you teach is a revelation. I know that. <laughs> yes. Had seven heads and ten horns, and uh, the seven heads represented the seven hills of Rome. Were the ten horns located on the... And the ten horns represented the ten kings. I may have said ten when I meant seven. I apologize if I did. What was it that Nicholas Christmas I'm standing too far away from you. Excuse me. Let me get over a little closer. They say that as the years pile up, your hearing goes. I'm not going to admit that. <laughs> Two things. Don't underestimate the power of a mother. Constantine's mother was Christian. The other is when he went into one of his major battles, he had a vision of a cross in the sky and the words in this sign conquer. And that to him was a, the revelation of Christianity and fighting under the banner of Christianity. He would be conqueror, which he did, and he became a Christian. Any other questions or comments? And don't get used to these brief lessons. <laughs> when, we, when we get out of Revelation, we're back to our 30 minutes. <laughs> and every sermon preached in this church today is on the book of Revelation. Can't wait to get to the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> because it's in the lectionary. Any other questions or comments? I'm missing something very basic. What was the religion of the emperors? The emperors themselves. So were the Jews also The Jews were persecuted, but not to the extent of the Christians. The Jews had been accepted because of their lineage. They went all the way back to Abraham. Christians by now were Gentiles, and the Gentile... Christians were a brand new sect. They they did not go back any further. But did the Jews bow down to the emperors and worship them? Well, no issue was made of it. You know, they weren't singled out to see if they did or not. The Christians were forced to do it in order to, uh, because they were the ones, the Christians were the ones who were adamant in not uh, bowing down to the emperor. And when uh, Nero singled them out, then from that time on, they were highlighted among the people to be persecuted. There were Jews, and there were Romans who were persecuted, but nothing like the Christians.
Any other question or comment? Ben, it's great to see you. We missed you.